and welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. From now on, we're going to be doing 20-minute episodes of the Premier League breakdown. I know I missed match day number one. I apologize for that. Again, I've like always and typically in my life been so much that I have to do behind the scenes, but I'm back and I'm in you know my favorite studio chair, whatever you want to call it, behind the mic as I love to be to talk about more Premier League football. Let's go, ladies and gentlemen. Again, the Premier League is under back and underway, like it's always, like it's never left. I mean, Premier League, I mean, football as a whole has been never ending in the last, you know, 18 months, especially especially with the World Cup and, you know, all the other football that's been played, even the Women's World Cup and just took place. And congratulations to the Spanish, women's Spanish national team. Because there's so much going on here. It's absolutely insane. The amount of... uh football that's on display at the moment you know i mean my whole life is football whether that's coaching whether that's watching whether that's doing a podcast you guys name it football is is life on the steven talk soccer podcast it is life here and uh, make sure you guys please download subscribe follow do all of those lovely things as i always tell you guys i feel like it feels like empty promises right now but it really is what i actually mean um plenty more content coming plenty more creative ideas and stuff coming on the podcast for sure we're gonna have an extra mic coming in very soon to add more people to the podcast so we have at least two guests on with me or two other co-hosts rather on with me on a more regular basis uh for now it'll just be me on my own right now because just trying to get you know my feet back into the season and of course some visual content as well i'm also gonna start to try to incorporate that at the very very least just simply even recording me making these episodes you guys will find that on my youtube channel which is also entitled steven talks soccer so all of, the, all of that to say, enough of the waffle. You know, you guys know why you're here. Here to listen to me talk about Premier League football and football as a whole. As a, not even just Premier League, but football as an entirety and what's happening in the football universe. Um, for one thing, you know, uh, I think this Premier League season is going to be a really, really, really good one. It's been two match days already and I can feel the energy. I can feel the aura in the this season already. I just feel a certain energy about this season that I haven't felt in a long time. I don't know what it is. I can't really put my finger on what that reason is and as to why I feel that way, but I just do. And I feel like with the, you know, the new arrivals have come into the Premier League and many players have obviously joined the Premier League from foreign leagues and these players are often the best of, of the best in their own leagues. Example, a Sebastian coming from uh, Leipzig and for me, he's one of my favorite players. I think he's going to be an absolute baller for Liverpool. Even someone like Christopher Nkunku, who's, who's very good friends with Sebastian obviously, at uh, Leipzig last season in Germany. But, um, Red Bull Leipzig, Leipzig for those who are wondering, RB Leipzig is they're called. But just to say this Premier League season, I feel like it has so much backing up it up already. And the season's already on the way. And, and I'm literally like anticipating the next weekend of fixtures immediately. Like I'm thinking to myself, when can I watch Premier League football again? Uh, I'm going to get as many fixtures in, in front of my face as possible. Trying to see as much football as I possibly can this season. And try to miss at the least amount of games as I possibly can. Um I don't know how I'm going to try to incentivize myself to do that, you know, with the other schedule and stuff I'll be doing, but that's neither here nor there. This is the home of the most controversial football opinions and the home of elite football knowledge. Let's get straight into the action, the thick of the action for this episode. Like I said, it's going to be 20 minutes after 20 minutes, no matter what, I will end this episode. No, no, no matter what, it's going to be the new format now. 20 minutes, bang, Bob's your uncle, we're done. So quickly, Manchester City beat Burnley in their first game, winning 3-0. Uh, very comfortable win for them. Erling Haaland doing, doing what Erling Haaland does best, scoring twice on uh, in the first game of the, uh, of the whole Premier League season and also the first game of his you know, second season in England. Of course, Manchester City had just won the treble. And if you want to go check out an episode that I, d- I had done with my uh, good friend of mine, my cousin, 
Mickey, who's a big Manchester City fan. I made an episode on Manchester City and their huge success of winning the treble last season. You guys can go check out that episode. It's only a couple just beneath this one. I think it's entitled, you know, they mess, met, well, Pep Guardiola wins it all, even without Messi, I think is what, it called, what it's called. Uh, but regardless, Manchester City win this game. They look as dominant as they always have. They win in their sec- their second game this weekend of their sorry second game of this Premier League season, which was against Newcastle United, uh, in a in a very very you know bit of a scarier fashion. Newcastle have been a very good team this so far this season. I think they'll be a really really good uh, uh, challenger for the top four. Like just like just like they were last year. Even with European football, I still think they're going to be very very good. I expect Newcastle to be a side that people are afraid of uh, for many 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 uh, you know games this season. And it won't be a side that's going to be a bit dull or a bit um easy to blow by and they won that game Manchester City won nothing at home against Newcastle in their second game of the season it's a bit of a you know less um exciting game but I thought Phil Foden had such a brilliant game in that match even against Burnley as well in both games he's been exceptional uh, even without Kevin De Bruyne Foden is naturally going to have to step up given the selling uh, the sales of you know Gundogan and and uh Mares and stuff they're going to need to find a way to get more creative players into the team and do what De Bruyne does when he's there on his own. And Cole Palmer, I think, is another great addition. I know they won the uh, the UEFA Super Cup the first time in their history, beating Sevilla as well, Manchester City on penalties. So, so many great things are happening for Manchester City right now. And it's looking really good for them, the team that we all have predicted to win the Premier League. So they continue their fine form from last season and, and letting it run into the season as well. Um we look at Arsenal, the team who have been competing with, uh, they or been competing with uh, Manchester City in the last, you know, 18 months, let's say 24 months or so. Arsenal have uh, won their first two games of the season. Neither game had they won in real convincing fashion. The first game against Nottingham Forest, which they won 2-1, was pretty, pretty predictable. I mean, Arsenal were the much more dominant team. They had much more momentum, much more belief in their side. And they kind of knew they were going to win before the game started. And they played that way. They had much more conviction with their passing, much more incision with their decision-making when they're making, uh, you know, trying to create an opportunity. There's so much more chemistry and synchronicity, that's the word, amongst Arteta's team than there has been in years past. Of course, injuries to the likes of Yuri and Timber will hinder them a little bit, and uh, it might you know make them change their shape a little bit too. Especially with Tomiyasu, who also got sent off himself, ironically, against uh, Crystal Palace just yesterday. Um, and it just tells you Arsenal are going to have a really good season because even when they're not playing very well, and I would not tell you they played exceptionally well against Forest or against Palace, they still have found a way to you know, be a team that's going to be very, very difficult to break down and simply to get the ball off of them. Arsenal hold possession very, very highly in most games. They had, what is it, 78% 78 ball possession against Nottingham Forest in their first game. And the game against Crystal Palace, we see a very, very similar theme where Arsenal, again, completely dominate their opposition comfortably. Even if they don't score chances with this opposition necessarily, the, I mean, this game had 53% possession against Crystal Palace. Palace played a bit more of a, you know, um, front-footed approach than, than Forest did, which is, expect, is expected given that Palace or a Premier League established side. They're playing at home and it's a London derby. We expect that. But nothing of Forest. Nobody expected Forest to have the ball. And credit to Forest actually, because they scored a very good goal, courtesy of Anthony Alenga, who will have a very good season for Nottingham Forest. And I think as a whole, Nottingham Forest will also have a very good season. But what's neither here nor there, let's keep moving on as we trudge through the rest of these fixtures. Um, so Arsenal, like I said, have having a great start to the season so far. It's been a brilliant, brilliant blitz, you know, in terms of 
keeping consistent and winning games at last season, they probably still would have won last season because they've been, re- they've been on an upward trajectory. But having more difficulty last season, which are having less difficulty this season in winning these matches against the weaker sides, as we say, in the Premier League. Uh, you're looking at the other teams now. Look at Liverpool, who drew 1-1 with Chelsea at uh, Stamford Bridge. And to be honest, Liverpool kind of got away with one. They were lucky that they didn't lose this game. And I'm not saying this you know, to show my Chelsea bias, but I thought Chelsea actually played Liverpool in this game. Particularly after Liverpool had scored their goal, I thought Chelsea completely flipped the switch and were by far the better team from that point onwards. Uh, Axel de Sassi scoring on his debut for Chelsea in this game and Luis Diaz, who's been on a tear right now, scored in this game for Liverpool first after a really, really good pass from Mohamed Salah, which just completely cut open Chelsea's non-existent, non-existent defence. And it's clear this three-back formation is not really working. That's a whole different discussion for a different day for Chelsea fans and myself. That will be coming on TikTok, I guarantee. All my rants and stuff on, on Chelsea are going to come there. I'm just going to give a straight little platformer. Chelsea rant after Chelsea rant after Chelsea rant about whatever happens. Post-match Chelsea rant. That's what you guys are going to see on TikTok there. So keep your eyes peeled at STSFC. Now, in terms of this game, Chelsea, again, were far more the dominant side. Liverpool were very, very fortunate to, to leave Anfield with the point. And it shows you Chelsea, obviously, you know, their new team in terms of the recruitment. It brought in so many new players, got rid of so many old players, brought in a new manager, new tactics, new system, all of that. I get it. And I'm not expecting Chelsea to even be good this season. I'm really not. And the reason why is because um, there's too many factors in, with this club or the new ownership, second season, Pochettino's first season back in England after many years and how much the league has changed since he's last been in it. Many young players that are, I think the oldest player in Chelsea's team is obviously Thiago Silva, who's 38, turning 39. But barring him, the oldest player may be 25 years old. That would play on a regular basis. This team has needs a lot of time to gel. They nobody knows each other really that well. Yes, they finally made the signing of Moises Caicedo finally and Romeo Lavia, and it probably will make one more by the time that you know the next time Chelsea play. Uh, I mean, it's kind of keeper as well. If I'm yeah, from the Revs, which I'm certain is going to be good. But regardless. Uh, this was a very, very entertaining game for a neutral, and it was a kind of a good start for Chelsea and Liverpool. Liverpool then went on to win their next game against Bournemouth, 3-1 at home. Really good result for Liverpool, I have to say. I thought that Liverpool were going to struggle a little bit, particularly given that they conceded in a very sloppy fashion through Antonio Semenyo of Bournemouth. But Liverpool, as they've been so great at, been, at, at doing, especially with this you know Klopp era, and just particularly at Anfield, finding a way to stay fresh and relevant and, and competitive in matches, even once they concede goals, they find a way to, to come back and score immediately. Their attacking outlet, their attacking line is going to be so dangerous this season. Diaz scoring an incredible goal. Already for me, a goal of the season contender. I genuinely mean that. It was sensational. Wonderful goal from Diaz. That gets Liverpool back into the game and then more goals from the likes of Jota and from Salah. So, Again, classic Liverpool, they go on to win their next game. While while they win 3-1, Chelsea lose 3-1 away at West Ham. And again, a series of unfortunate events. Chelsea can see the terrible opening goal, uh, courtesy of James Ward-Prowse, you know, set piece, which I think Chelsea fans all knew was going to happen because he loves, you know, scoring or assisting against us. Uh, and West Ham get an opening goal. And then Chelsea respond fairly well to Carney Chukomeka, who, I mean, scored a brilliant goal with his footwork and kind of able to beat the keeper with a very convincing strike. However, he gets injured only a couple of minutes later towards the end of the half. And then now he's going to be out for six weeks. So, I mean, just more and more trauma for Chelsea fans to suffer. But then you have Moises Caicedo who comes on to make his debut. 
And he concedes a penalty last minute in the game, and it just made things even more worse. And this is also after Antonio, who scored what I would consider a very classic Antonio goal, and a goal that only Chelsea really are going to concede because Chelsea's defensive shape and understanding is atrocious, in my opinion. I really, and it's only been two games, so I won't judge them too harshly. But for what I'm seeing, this back three nonsense of playing Thiago Silva, who I think has to leave the lineup, it's clear that he's almost hindering Chelsea from playing a much more advanced defensive line which would allow Chelsea to eliminate these balls over the top and balls in behind which Antonio scored from if they had a more fit and mobile back line Thiago Silva is a fantastic defender but his profile given his age isn't effective in the Premier League anymore at the top side it's just what it is and if you don't want to accept that I don't care I'm telling you just telling you the facts anyway so Chelsea lose 3-1 very very poor loss and uh, people are saying you know throwing, throwing money at the issue isn't going to change anything and I strongly agree I don't think throwing money at the issue is going to change anything at all but I do think for Chelsea's sake that this is the game where if Enzo Fernandez scores that penalty, which kind of made me laugh that he didn't score it, because uh, I kind of knew he'd miss, to be honest. I wanted him to score for his confidence, but uh, the fact that he missed that penalty when he was, the score was tied 1-1 is when I knew the game was finished. If you miss penalties in football, this goes at any level of the game. If you miss a penalty in football, you lose. I don't care what it is. When your team needs you, for, I mean, obviously, if you're winning 5 nothing, 6 nothing, you miss a penalty, no. But if the game is close and you miss a penalty, you're probably going to lose. That is a momentum changer for, psych- for psychological reasons. And the more often than not, the player you're letting take that penalty is one of your best players. And if that best player is not having the best game, although Enzo was fantastic... Is he, if he's not able to score that penalty, his game's going to diminish psychologically slightly. And the team will think to themselves, we can't score, we can't score, we can't score. To be fair, Ariola's a great goalkeeper. And I think Chelsea actually should, should have, Chelsea should have looked to sign him uh, themselves this summer. But again, don't ask me. I'm not a scout. Just what I'm seeing with that with my eyes. I really rate Ariola, former Madrid keeper, former PSG keeper, full of experience. Played at the highest level. I think, I think he's also been capped by France. Proper, proper goalkeeper. But anyways, let's move on. We also had Newcastle United, who absolutely smoked Aston Villa 5-1. Again, Sandra Tanali scoring on his debut. And a wonderful performance from a player that I'm telling you guys now, you must remember his name, Alexander Isak. He's going to be a machine this season for Newcastle. That Wilson-Isak duo, especially if Wilson gets injured, like he probably will, unfortunately. Isak will come in and be a an absolute steal off the market given his his quality and his output he's going to be such a threat week in week out for Newcastle and they're very very lucky to have a player like him I would not be surprised if a big move comes for a player like him sometime in the future in the very near future that is why he's such a great player love watching him at Sociedad still love watching him now at uh, at Newcastle so Newcastle won their first game 5-1 and as I mentioned previously they lost their second game uh, 1-0 in terms of the other fixtures, Brighton have been cooking teams left, right, and center. I mean, they won their first game 4-1 against Luton, which is not really saying too much Luton Town. Brighton, although to be fair, Brighton are arguably the third best team in England right now, I would say, in terms of ability, in terms of overall game management, in terms of system, in terms of uh, being able to to dismantle and demolish teams on a consistent basis. They are one of the best teams, in, in I'd argue, in, even in Europe, because they are so good at this, at just you know, scoring one goal and all of a sudden the game, the floodgates for them really, really open. Sometimes we say you score one, you know, you can get get a couple more. Brighton take that personally and run away with it. They score one goal and the game is done. Once soon as they feel a, a sniff of blood that they can score against you, it's over. You've lost. They did it against Luton. They did it again the following week against Wolves. They just demolished teams. Matoma, Sully March, Estupinian, Joao Pedro, you name it. These guys are coming with a vengeance and they've been absolutely incredible this season and again another team that i'm 
kind of bitter to say that they're going to be good because of how much they fleeced us, Chelsea fans, for Moises Caicedo. But regardless, they've been exceptional this season. Really, really, really good so far. And I don't know how long it's going to continue because I know European football will come to haunt them. They're not ready for that for that big vampire in the background, that Grim Reaper that we know about as top six fans, you could say, or fans that are big clubs that see this European fixture list hit you and you have to have a deep squad to compete both in the Premier League and in that European competition. But again, I would back them because Deserby's a great coach and they have fantastic, fantastic players who are extremely underrated but play the best football I think I've seen in England for some time. Um, now Manchester United, who've been absolutely shocking this season. Yes, they won their first game against Wolves. They were terrible against Tottenham and they deservedly lost. Spurs have actually been decent somewhat this season, even though they sold Harry Kane, which I thought would be the end of them for them this season. But I think no Europe for Tottenham will be a really big boost. And I feel like the fact that they'll be able to play around someone like James Madison, who for me is a top 10 player in the Premier League. I'm saying it now. I think he's an elite, elite, elite player. Uh, if you have him in your team, you're able to keep him fit, then I don't see why Spurs can't keep you know, being a being a dangerous team. You know, a great game against uh, Brentford when they drew 2-2 was kind of a weird mixed bag, but Brentford don't know how to lose. And against United, the United suck, and they showed how much United suck and outplayed them at uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, yes, I know United had chances. I know the game could have been, you know, in swung in either favor, especially in the first half. But I just feel like Spurs are, are definitely a quiet dark horse at the moment. But again, I won't speak too soon because Spurs can still be Spurs. We've seen bottle jobs and mo- mainly and primarily we associate bottle jobs with only one club and one club only. So if you know what I'm talking about, well, if you have a bottle nearby, a plastic bottle, or you, even if you go to your recycling bin now and you look at a bin full of plastic uh, water bottles, think of Tottenham Hotspur. Cause that's very, very close to the, uh, the you know, first adjective that should come to mind but regardless United have been terrible uh, they've been having to you know make do with the fact that Rasmus Hoyland is not currently playing and he's currently uh, injured and on the sideline recovering meaning Marcus Rashford has to lead the line which we all know he hates to do and he wants to play off the left because he thinks he's prime Neymar but English and uh, that's forced United to play a different style of play, which is not really catered to their best players in terms of Bruno Fernandes, who's also had to play out wide sometimes to accommodate someone like Mickey Mount, who I don't know why they made that signing, but I'm happy for us. Great money for us because he's not going to do anything at United, I guarantee you. And um, that's really my thoughts on United right now. I think they can improve, but only so slightly. I think we might have overestimated them this season. I could even see Ten Hag getting sacked by the end of the season. I know that's another hot take, but I genuinely could see Eric Ten Hag lose his job by the end of the summer, or by the end of next summer, sorry, or whatever it is. Next season, he won't be here is all I'm saying. And I found that pretty interesting. But that's my little rant on those things. Anything else I want to mention? Yes. Quickly, in other leagues, Christian Pulisic gets his first goal for AC Milan in the Serie A as Milan went 2-0 away at Bologna in Bologna. Bologna. Uh, Charles de Cantelar scores his first goal for Atalanta as they went 2-0, I think, themselves against Sassuolo. We see Victor Osimhen score two goals against uh, against uh, Prosinone in a way where we kind of knew that Napoli would win. I mean, especially Osimhen, nothing is impossible. If he's up front for you and you can create him create opportunities, he's going to score them. In Ligue 1, we're seeing a PSG team that suck, which is funny because Neymar's obviously left to go to Saudi Arabia, which is insane to think about. You know, uh, we're seeing the likes of Mbappe back into the team. Dembélé's now playing at PSG and leaving Barca. You know, we're seeing Jude Bellingham plays at number nine for Real Madrid. Messi winning the uh, the League's Cup is you know his first ever crack at a competition in in America and he wins it with this with this club leads them to glory. Drake Callender with an exceptional save that was one of the most interesting entertaining matches of football I've ever seen against Nashville where Inter Miami went 
to and and uh, Nashville went to penalties after a 1-1 draw. Hani Mukhtar for Nashville is a deadly player. I don't know why nobody's heard of him before, but that's a name you must keep in mind. He's going to be a deadly footballer. Anything else I want to mention? In the Bundesliga, we see Harry Kane and already doing what Harry Kane does best, assisting and scoring goals for fun, looking like a lethal, lethal player as he was in England. He'll continue to be that way in Germany. And uh, I feel like that's it for this episode. And now for my goal of this week, it's you guys have to go check this out. I'm t- I'll give you one at, one at the end of every every episode. You must go check out Antonio Kendreva's strike against Roma for Salernitana. It was an absolute bullet. Both both goals, but especially one on his left foot that he puts into the top left. Incre- incredible, incredible goal. Anyways, enough of my ranting, enough of my, you know, buster I'm speaking. Thank you guys for listening. It's been your Borden on. I hope you guys have enjoyed this style of episodes. It'll always be 20 minutes. Again, we're at 1950. I'm going to end it right about now. I'll speak to you guys again very, very soon. And welcome to the Dawn Squad. Deuces. Hey, everyone. Are you enjoying the content? Please be sure to leave a rating and a review and to check out my other episodes. If you're looking for more Steven Talks Soccer content, you can find me at STS Pod on Instagram, at Steve Talks Footy on Twitter, and at Steven Talks Soccer on TikTok. Become a consistent starter in the SES squad.